We begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, how did your Thanksgiving preparations go? Right? Maybe perfect, probably not quite perfect, maybe somewhere in between, right? Um, I think maybe unlike any other time of year, Thanksgiving kind of kicks off. Not only do we have to prepare for Thanksgiving, but your minds already start to turn to preparing for Christmas and beyond, right? So this we could maybe call a season of preparation because you're going to do it in a hundred different ways, whether it's Thanksgiving or it's Christmas or it is end of the calendar year work that you have to get in to prepare just so that you can take a week or two off to be with your family and friends. I think unlike any other time of year, this is one where we understand what it takes to prepare. Today, that's what we want to look at, specifically, um, how do we prepare our hearts to celebrate Jesus' birth? Have any of you ever watched this show, Alone? Anybody want to, has anyone ever seen the TV show Alone? Okay, we've got a few, okay. Here's the premise of the show Alone. You are, not surprisingly, alone. Okay. Uh, this show came out in 2015. Uh, History Channel is, is the one that produces it. Uh, and this is basically what it is. They take 10 contestants and they get sent to uh, um, uh, an incredibly remote area. So I think they've done the show in Mongolia. They've done it, uh, let's see, in Patagonia. They've done it in the Yukon territories in Canada. So basically what they do is they drop 10 people off in the most remote area they can, and guess what they have to try to do? Survive. There you go. You, are, you know the entire pre premise, right? You're like, I, we don't even have to watch the show, Pastor, right? Yeah, so you are alone, no human contact, uh, um, no, no one around you, uh, you just have to survive. And if you are the last person standing, if you survive, you win a million dollars. Okay, so who would want to sign up? Some of you are like, well, let's see what I could do, right? Right? Okay. Just survive being alone. Now, here's the kind of interesting thing. Uh, they don't send you out there just with nothing, but they don't send you out there with a whole lot. This is actually the cast of season nine, I think, of Alone. And so you can see that they have some items there with them as they're getting sent out into the wild. I think this was the uh, Yukon Territories far northern, northern Canada. Um, but before they ever depart, they have to choose, they get to choose 10 items to take with them off of a list of 40 approved, okay? So 10 items only off of an, a pre-approved list of 40. Do you want to see the list? Okay, I'm going to show it to you. So in your mind, and I couldn't fit, I couldn't fit 40 items all on one slide. So We've got multiple slides, but as I run through these, I want you to think in your mind, I can only take 10 of these things. Which are the 10 that I want to be prepared for, I want to take in order to survive, okay? Okay, they broke them up into categories just a little bit. So first one, shelter. Take a look. Climbing rope, a little bit of paracord if anyone's used those, okay? Next one, bedding for warmth, right? Sleeping bag. Maybe a hammock. Okay. Cooking. 
So now we're getting down to stuff that'll actually keep you alive. Are you keeping track of in your head? You can write them down on a, your bulletin too if you want, right? Okay. Uh, so cooking, right? To be able, be able to, to eat, right? Hygiene. How many are on there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You could just get rid of eight of your items, right, on hygiene. You'd be the best smelling person on the whole show of alone, okay? Hygiene. Hunting, right, in order to try to uh, kill and catch game to stay alive, okay? A few more hunting items. Food. Now, this one, they kind of limit you, so you can't just stock up only on food. You can only take two items of food, okay? Think through your mind. What sounds tasty for a very long time alone? <laughs> um, and actually, as I'm looking at this, I can't even remember what biltong is. Does anyone know what two pounds of biltong is? Like jerky? Okay, you're number one. If we CVL sends someone to this show, you're going, Eric. Because Eric actually knows what that is. Okay, okay. Two pounds of chocolate? Hmm? I don't know. You want to treat yourself. If, you brought a, if one of your items was a sponge for a sponge bath earlier, and maybe you want chocolate, right? Just nice leisurely. Okay, all right. We're getting there. Tools. I like that duct tape's on there. I am really very proud of that. Yep, yep, okay. Some more tools. That's it. That's the 40 items. Did you think in your head what you wanted? Okay, some of them, All right? Now, how long do you think you could last with your 10 items? A day, yeah, a day, yeah. Some of us, maybe, maybe we wouldn't even get out of the car. We would just, <laughs> right? Maybe some of us are more into what they call glamping, right? Where you just, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll eat my two pounds of chocolate and exit early. Maybe that's what you do, right? Um, it's kind of an interesting thing because this show, which has been around since 2015, um, a large degree of, of um, the winners, of those who are going to be able to make it, uh, um, part of the reason why they made it happens before the show even starts, and it happens here. What items did they choose to prepare to be out there? Right? I think it's a good question for us to ask of ourselves as believers as well, and on the outset of this holiday season. This is the first Sunday in Advent. Uh, this is when we start turning our minds towards celebrating Jesus' birth, but this is also a remarkably good time, let's say before, before we get into the wilderness of the holiday season, before things get really, really busy, before families start showing up, before uh, arrangements have to be made, before you have to try to figure out to get in all your work, before holiday vacation, before that, I think it is, it is good for us to sit back and say, okay, are we prepared to celebrate Jesus' birth? What is most important for us as we go into this season in order to make sure that as we celebrate Christmas, things don't get lost. And so that's what we're going to do today. John the Baptist is going to help us a little bit. Um, I kind of think John the Baptist might have done pretty well on the show alone, right? More importantly, he gets to prepare our hearts spiritually. 
today as we, as we look forward to celebrating Jesus' birth. So if you want to follow along with me, you're welcome to. Uh, we're going to have kind of three points in our service today. So the theme is prepared, uh, but we want to talk about what was promised. We, second one is what are we to produce? And the last, what powers all of that in our, our Advent preparation? So that's kind of the path we're headed on in our, in our uh, sermon here today. Uh, we're going to start with just our opening verses. You're welcome to follow along with me. You'll see them on the screen here. Uh, you'll also find them in your, in your bulletin as well. So we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 3. Our text says this, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now we've got to understand and set the setting just a little bit. So John is, as our kids know, right, uh, was the forerunner of Christ. So John's job, uh, uh, ministry-wise, was to prepare the hearts of his fellow countrymen in Israel for the impending ministry and, and, uh, and life of Jesus, and specifically Jesus' ministry. And so John did that. And in our text here today, uh, he does that uh, near the Jordan River in what they call the, the wilderness. Sometimes it's also maybe translated as desert. John, that's where he preaches. Now, if you were going to set up a new church, if you were going to plant a new church, my guess is, is that out in the desert might not have been the most likely place, right? Uh, most likely, you would have thought John would have set himself up, set up shop in the heart of Jerusalem, the capital city. This is where uh, the temple was. This is the, the heart and soul of religion and, and, and prophecy for the Israelite people. And so you would have thought if John was going to set up, if he wanted to change uh, the momentum or the hearts of his people, he would have set up in Jerusalem. And yet, John sets up outside of Jerusalem. In the desert. And we hear a little bit later that, that he eats uh, um, um, locusts, which do not sound very tasty, although I have heard from people that they're very high in protein. Um, and he ate wild honey, which actually wild honey is really wonderful. But we even think about the dress that he had, the, the camel's hair and the, and the leather belt around his waist. And so everything about John was purposeful. And we say, okay, why would John choose a look like that and a setting like that? What was the point of it? Why didn't he set up in Jerusalem? And I think in large part, it's because John knew where the hearts were of the people that were in Jerusalem. And in general, as we're going to see a little bit later, in the hearts of the religious leaders that had set up shop in the temple and in the heart of Jerusalem. And so on some level, John was doing nothing different than Old Testament prophets had done for hundreds and thousands of years. He was in the desert and his message was going to have impact because on some level, not only the words that he was saying, but even the location that he was in was meant to say to people, wake up. Open your eyes, open your hearts, understand what is happening right now in front of you. On some level, the starkness of John's setting and his message was meant to be like cold water in the face and on the hearts of the people in Jerusalem. And so that's why John was out there. And his message 
says the same, right? But he wasn't there by accident. We talk about being promised. John actually in our text quotes from Isaiah chapter 40 and says this is what this forerunner of Christ is going to do. So 700 years before John sets up shop out in the desert, Isaiah had said someone's going to come who is going to prepare the hearts of the people for the ministry and the birth of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that's exactly who John was. And so, when we start thinking about how we are preparing our hearts to celebrate Jesus' birth, I think it's important for us to step back and say, um, this has been promised. The words that we read, the scripture that we read, uh, um, not only today, but on Christmas Eve, as we, as we hear of Jesus' birth, these were not done in some back room in the shadows or in some distant land that no one, this was done in the heart of Israel. This had been promised for hundreds and thousands of years. And what was that promise? Promise God had made to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That the world that was broken because of sin, God would send a Savior to fix it. Now you think about John's message in that desert. I think it would have driven home that point. Right? The brokenness of the world. And I don't believe I'm going out on a limb that the people that were coming to him also understood that. The brokenness in their own lives, in their own hearts, in the society around them, and they were looking for something more. Well, that was John and his message. It had been promised. God had said all the way back, I'm going to fix what sin has broken. I will send a Savior and a Messiah. Okay? So that's our first point. Jesus is going to come, that was promised. Second one, we'll read verses 7 through 10. John says this, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers. How about that as a welcome to church, right? Yeah. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay, so how many of you want to sign up to listen to John as your pastor and your preacher? We all should. <laughs> I, I think... At least in this instance, we could maybe say John was preaching a little bit of fire and brimstone, right? But we've got to understand, and this is just a good thing to understand about all of Scripture, is that um, these, these, these um, eternal words, these words that God wants us to hear are also spoken to people, real living people at a certain time. And right, so John speaks these words as he sees Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him. Now, out in the desert, you have this this, this run-in between two different views of who God is and God's expectations of us, right? John sees the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming, and in large part, they had, they had uh, um, guided on some level and even let faith devolve into uh, merely a shell of what it was. And so Pharisees and Sadducees were the, the religious leaders within Jerusalem where they had set up shop and they had done quite well for themselves. 
In fact, on just a purely maybe economic level, there was a stark contrast between John the Baptist out in the desert and those that were coming out to see him, specifically in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But there was no hope of salvation. There was no promise of of God sending someone that was going to fix what we had broken within Jerusalem and in the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there was just more to do, to do, to do. And on some level, they would just pile on these works on top of people and they felt they were at the top of it. So much so that a large majority of the Israelite community and culture and, and those that called themselves Jews had completely abandoned it because the weight was too heavy. It was too much for them to hold and there was zero, no promise of salvation, of hope, and of forgiveness. And so as those Pharisees and Sadducees come, this is John's message to them. And he doesn't beat around the bush. (laughs) You brood of vipers, right? As they come walking out from Jerusalem, you brood of vipers. He calls them to account. They were the religious leaders of their community, and yet they were not leading people to see God and his promise of salvation, and most importantly, Christ, but they were doing the exact opposite. This would come to its completion on Good Friday as Christ was nailed to a cross and ultimately put to death. Not out in the desert, not in a different city, but in the capital of Israel, in Jerusalem. And so John says, wake up, right? And it's interesting because he says, produce fruit, right? Pharisees, Sadducees may have come back at John and said, oh, we are. We do all kinds of stuff for God, We do everything. Look it up, right? They could have come back to John and said, no, we do all kinds of things for God. And yet John was calling to account not necessarily what was on the outside, but what was in their hearts. The motivation for why they were doing what they were doing. Their motivation was to earn God's favor and on some level stay just above and on top of the heap. John strips that all away and he calls them to repentance. And I think that's important for us as well. Not necessarily a a, a popular um, message, right? And yet, we know how important that is, don't we? A a sober, honest, transparent look at who we are, at who I am, at what is in my heart, right? Both the good and the bad, the things that I'm proud of, but also the things I'm incredibly ashamed of. That's what John was hoping for, was was asking of the Pharisees to do. But he asked that of us as well. As we prepare our hearts and our homes and our lives to celebrate Jesus' birth, it starts with repentance. Laying ourselves and our sins at the foot of the cross. But here's the really good news. God had promised it, right? God wants us to produce from hearts that are set on him. But the most amazing part is is that Christ actually gives us power to do that. So let's continue with our text, last section here. Verse 11 says this. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and fire. And so this preparation, as we prepare our hearts, as we look forward to Jesus' birth, this is the really amazing thing, not only about John's message, but out of all of Scripture, is that it gives us the power to do the very thing that it asks of us to do, to be prepared. And how does it do that? Through Christ, through Jesus, through hearing his message and his word through Scripture. And so the things that God asks of us to do, God gives us the tools and the power to be able to do. And it's nothing short of Jesus. His birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection is what empowers us, is what changes our hearts, is what prepares us not only to celebrate Christmas, but prepares us for eternity. And if we're all being very honest, that's probably a much bigger thing, isn't it? Because we've celebrated lots of Christmases, and you'll presumably celebrate lots of Christmases into the future. But Isaiah, John the Baptist in our text today, not only prepares our hearts, our minds, and our eyes to celebrate Christmas, but points us far beyond, ultimately points us to eternity. Jesus did the very same thing in his ministry. It says this in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. He says to us, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And so here's the beautiful message of John the Baptist and of Advent. Calls us to prepare, to repent, to to prepare our hearts for Christmas. But ultimately in Christ, it simultaneously prepares our hearts for eternity. Holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, sometimes the hardest moments in someone's year. Did you celebrate Thanksgiving? Will you celebrate Christmas without somebody that you love? You might. I will this year, right? The message of Advent not only prepares us to celebrate an earthly Christmas, which it absolutely does, right? And keeps our priorities and our minds and our hearts and our eyes set on Christ and the forgiveness we have in Him. But it's something so much more than that, brothers and sisters. It points our eyes to eternity. And that your hearts and your minds and your eyes are focused on Christ. And because of Christ, we are prepared without a shadow of a doubt for eternity. For a Christmas that is far greater than anything we can imagine this side of heaven. That is done on account of, through, and powered by Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That gives us reason for joy and thanksgiving. Season nine. This young man was the winner, Juan Pablo Quinones. Want to know how long he lasted? 78 days. You know, it's pretty good, right? And if you think about the only 10 items that he had to be able to bring with him, he lasted 78 days, okay? He won the money. You wonder what he brought? This is it. So he brought a fire starter, paracord, 
pot, axe, fishing line and hooks, saw, bow and arrow, sleeping bag, trapping wire, and multi-tool. No chocolate, not even any duct tape, which is a little disappointing, right? Now, your list might have been just a little bit different than his. And, and I, as I mentioned, I think um, before that contest even starts, based on how some of those contestants prepared, already was dictating the outcome of it. Had they prepared in the right way? Had they brought the right things? Now, we could take Juan Pablo's list and say, okay, well then this must be the right list to get all the way through it. And yet, there were other contestants that had almost identical lists to his. And so what we understand is it's not just necessarily having the right tools at hand, but Juan Pablo had a few other things that went along with him. Um, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but he had lived almost his entire life like in kind of harsh settings, in survivalist settings. And so he said that, that his whole life had been, in some sense, a preparation to be able to exist in the wild for 78 days. So that's not bad to have at hand, right? But he also said something very interesting. Not just the tools and the experience, but on some level, it was also the attitude and how he viewed and how he approached those 78 days. Juan Pablo said this at the very end when they asked him about what got him through. He said the most simple one was to be thankful for three things every day. It's kind of remarkable, isn't it? But maybe that gives us a pretty good guide this holiday season, right? Of where our hearts and our minds can be. That there is reason to give thanks as we prepare, as we celebrate, that does not mean that there isn't heartache and loss and pain, but there is ample reason to give thanks and to bring joy to the people around us and the households as we celebrate. Most importantly, to be able to point people to Christ. Christ who has prepared us not only for this Christmas, but for all eternity. Amen.